Welcome to the Future Is podcast, where we explore the future of your life and business. I'm your host, Joe Tobus. I am a future shaper and oversee global marketing here at Honeywell in my spare time. This episode, we're going to talk about aerosols. Now, we're not going to just talk about aerosols, even though that's in our commercials we've talked about aerosols. We're going to talk about a few other things, but aerosols themselves are used in everything from hairspray to shaving cream to keyboard cleaners, uh, amongst other things. Honeywell Solstice product, which is used in aerosols, has a low global warming potential. And today we're talking with Maribel Wilson, who's the vice president and chief technology officer for our advanced materials business to learn a little bit more about it. Let's start with the basics of this product itself, Solstice. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually worked in the business with you for a little while. So I, I happen to know a little bit about it, but it took me forever to understand that this is a molecule that we're talking about that's having this effect on the world. Try to give the basics of what Solstice is. So Solstice is actually a few molecules. See, already I'm wrong. <laughs> So Solstice was really our, our launch of a product line to replace um, high global warming potential molecules. So of, of which we launched three basic molecules a few years over the past few years. Um, and Solstice continues to evolve into also a suite of offerings that are blends that also go into future applications. The first applications we really targeted with Solstice were for aerosols. Uh, for mobile air conditioning. So that's for for cars. Yes. Yep. Yep. That we drive uh, now. And and then also for blowing agents. So you see how you blow foam. Yep. um, Or you see foam that's in your appliances. Got it. When you say blow foam, it's like insulation. Insulation. And then inside of like a refrigerator or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we really came out with this suite of products um, Mm -hmm. with those as the key launching points. For those products, but they continue to evolve. The Solstice brand continues to evolve with other blends that go into different applications. So give us a scale, because one of the things that I found um, also amazing was just you wouldn't think that could have such an impact on the environment. A little bit in your air conditioner, in your car, a little bit in, you know, in your insulation. What is the impact on the environment? How much of it is? Is there any quantification that we think about? Yeah, so we we try to look at it on CO2 equivalent, but that's not really something that speaks to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so so if you look at the CO2 equivalent that we pulled off the market, yeah, just year this year alone, it's it's the equivalent of taking 33 million cars off the road. And wow. I think if you put it in that terms, it's something that people can kind of relate yeah. to. So when people are thinking about the environment and they're thinking about the impact, we always see, you know, those pictures and images of cars and exhausts and all the stuff that's going out into the environment. Basically, our product, the impact is like taking 33 million of those off the road. Right. Amazing. And it'll continue to grow. I mean, as the adoption grows and, you know, that'll continue to to be exponential growth from that. Unbelievable. So there's a long history of kind of breakthroughs we've made in this part of the world and specifically on refrigerants and, and in our fluorine products business. Mm-hmm. When did we start working in this uh, and, and how, do, how do we make decisions on how we develop a molecule that could have that kind of an impact? How long does it take to get a molecule into a product? 
So the development timeline and getting it to the market is pretty substantial. It's a pretty long cycle. Like I mean, we're talking three 10, years, no, 10, ten years. years. Like if you if you look at some of these molecules, you're ten years, um, and we're really working to shorten those cycles. Right. Um, but if I'm being fair, it's it's significant, right? Because you have to first look at a whole host of different molecules that potentially yeah. have that impact. But not all of them are compatible for the application. Not all of them will meet, you know, the right tox standards, toxicity standards and stuff like that. So you really have to find something that not only meets your environmental requirements, but it's safe to the people that interact with it and, right. and that are going to perform in the application. So right. it does take a fair amount of time to do that. And, um, and, then, and then you have to work with the industry to actually work through a transition. Right. So that, that brings me to, to you a little bit, right? So Chief Technology Officer, that's a pretty awesome title. And it must be an amazing role to have. Because I have to imagine, and of course, I, I think about this, you, you're sitting there with all these inventors and scientists, and that you're coming up with the next solstice, right? What's at the top of your mind? What are you guys working on today? So um, it's always really exciting. And yeah, you know, when I came into this, I was like, really, are you sure? You know, you're calling me, right? Because <laughs> I sit with, the, uh -huh. because I sit with the scientists and I'm just like, man, you guys are just so impressive. And I, and I get to work with them every day, which is really great. Yeah. Um, but we're thinking about what's next, right? Um, we're talking about solstice. We're not really thinking about these HFO molecules we've already launched, we're thinking about what could come next. And so we're thinking about, you know, there's a there's a big trend moving towards uh, electric vehicles. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of heat management that happens in that. Well, we know stuff about that. And we know about the fluids that, that help with that. So yeah. we're thinking about electric vehicles and what play do we have in that. Yeah. We're also very focused on things that could be potential disruptors to our traditional markets. So we're, we're looking into, you know, those non-traditional technologies and keeping track of them. Maybe we want to go into those spaces that may be completely different than what we do today. So, so we do a lot of investment in that area, too. So um, we really are just looking out to what is the customer going to need in the next 10 years and focusing on that. And yeah. then letting and letting the commercial folks take care of the growth for the solstice <laughs> stuff that's already out there. Yeah, well, when you have when you have products that are selling so well that your team puts in place, you gotta gotta start preparing for the rest. Yeah, and in the near term, we're really focused on solstice N forty one, which we hope is going to be something in the next couple of years. So that's our new um, offering. It's a it's a blend, and mm -hmm. it's uh, intended to replace um, the refrigerant that's currently used in home residential AC. Mm -hmm. So we went through a transition moving us into uh, non-ozone depleting. Now it's time for us to go to low global warming in, in, in the AC units that we have in our homes right. here. Right. Yeah. When do you think that's going to hit markets? Um, so we're anticipating in the next couple of years. I mean, we're working very closely with a bunch of OEMs. Yeah. Um, but like I said, all of these transitions take a lot of work with yeah. a lot of different people, all the component manufacturers, and then the engineering design that has to happen at our customers. Right. to get them into the into the fields. I always am in awe of our technologists here at Honeywell, but it's interesting. Our technologists are experts in so many different types of things. Even in advanced materials, um, you have experts that are kind of in a bunch of different spaces. What, what kind of people work for you? 
So uh, traditionally, people really think about us having chemists and chemical engineers, but we have all kinds of disciplines. We have mechanical engineers. Um, we have material scientists. We have polymer scientists. Polymer um, scientists. Yeah. So we we really run. The I was gamut. considering going into <laughs> polymer science, but the, I went with political science instead. Good choice. Good yeah. choice. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> So we, we really have a breadth of, we have modeling experts. Um, so we really need a bunch of different skill sets to make, you know, a molecule or a product come to market. What about software? It's an interesting thing. Can't see it in the podcast, <laughs> but she's smiling. Uh, Honeywell is telling a, a, a story about a big shift we're making, right? To become the software industrial um, and taking advantage of this, of the install base and the sector intimacy and knowledge that we have. If there's ever a place where I it makes a, a hard connection, it's in the advanced materials world. It's in that space. Where yeah. is there a connection? So no doubt. The first thing most people was like, well, what's the connection to, to advanced materials? Um, but if you look at what we do, um, I think where we're finding our opportunity is that we have a lot of subject matter expertise. We have a lot of knowledge about how refrigeration systems work or how you know, an additive will make a process more efficient. And through all of that exposure to different customers and different applications, we become subject matter experts because we see a whole breadth of the application of these products in, at different um, customers. And so where we've seen is we could take that knowledge and apply it right. in a software space. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really been our connection is through the subject matter expertise. Yeah. And how do you bring that knowledge in some software form? You know, I know we're in early stages of, of development and commercialization, but the ability to take anything and create, you know, Internet of Thing kind of connection points and utilize data, uh, common data to help is, is, is pretty interesting. It is. And I mean, while we bring the subject matter expertise, I think being at Honeywell, something that not other people have, like other people may have that subject matter expertise that we may have gained. But the fact that we have Honeywell in total, right, where we have the connectivity, we have the process controls, right. we know how to get the data and bring it in. And then we have the people that know how to use the data yeah. to make it more efficient. They can put the lens on of understanding the space and the equipment and the technology. Yeah, I don't think that there's many people that can that have that whole host of capabilities across their, their whole company. Agree. One of my favorite things that um, we do at Honeywell well, I think, is putting people into different roles, pushing them along the way. Tell us about your career. How does somebody become a chief technology officer? I'm not sure I have a traditional roadmap, but... <laughs> I'm taking notes so that when I can become a chief technology <laughs> officer. Yeah, absolutely. When I came to Honeywell, it was down at our Baton Rouge facilities. And, um, and, and they were at the cusp of this. We're pushing out of ozone depleting materials into non-ozone depleting. And they kind of had a different way of thinking. And that's how I made the choice to come here was because they were thinking about how they were going to evolve, how they were going to change with mm -hmm. the market. Um, but since then, it's it's been... It's been really just focusing and doing and taking the most out of the current role that you have yeah. and doing the best you, you, you can with it. And what I found with Honeywell is that if you do that, I've had a lot of the opportunities come to me and I 
didn't take, I zigged and zagged and took different different ways than I had originally planned. Um, but you know, a lot of the times people people see the opportunities better than you do. So that's been good with Honeywell as they kind of open up a door and say, do you want to walk through it? And, and, it, and you don't have to go figure it out all the time. That's kind of what's evolved in, into the CTO role. I didn't, I didn't envision doing it, but I sure am lucky that, <laughs> that the door opened. So. Yeah. Well, we are too. Yeah. We're very lucky you, you walked into that door. I know that, um, you know, you were a big star in our brand campaign and uh, showcased in different places internally amongst our own employees. And then um, externally as well. Any uh, any interesting stories that have come from your your fifteen minutes of uh, of stardom? Uh, well, actually, you know, it's been interesting just because people noticed me on TV. That I just I, I figured, you know, you you pop up, pop down. People people would be like, oh, kind of looks like maybe somebody I know, but not really. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, it's just been interesting to get texts and say like, did I just see you on TV? <laughs> <laughs> people I haven't seen in years, you know? I, yeah, I suppose that could be like, whoa, there's Maribel. Yeah, um, yeah, like neighbors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's been fun. Um, it's definitely a conversation starter. And um, yeah. again, another thing that you just never envisioned that you might do. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was uh, great that you did it. I thank, I couldn't thank you enough. So I am going to ask you a few questions, and this is these are questions I ask all of my guests, three questions. It's, you know, it's a thing. It's what's made this podcast so popular. Before the red light went on that said on the air, uh, Maribel and I were talking, I was telling her about how popular this podcast will be. And I'm not, I'm not sure. I'll have to, I'll check in with my producer, Cassie, on what number episode this will be, but you could go down in history. I don't think you're going to be the first, but maybe the second or the third, but that might be when we become number one. Yeah. And it's going to be a big deal. So we are (laughs) going to answer these three questions. What did you want to be when you grew up? I actually thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Really? For a long time. Um, probably when I was younger, it was probably something more like a, like a princess or something like that. But what I remember is being a lawyer. Okay. Um, I thought I was going to go to engineering school and, uh, and then go into law school. And then I just decided that, you know, I think I'm going to try the engineering thing first. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. princess, lawyer, <laughs> engineer. Yeah, it's CTO. all CTO. There is really the, are that connections. That is really <laughs> there. There are connections. There are okay. We'll have to we'll 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 turn off the mics and figure out what the heck that is. But all right, so princess, lawyer, engineer, CTO. Got it. Uh, second question. Name the piece of technology you couldn't live without. Oh, it's got to be my cell phone. I mean, this is this is the only connection I have to my teenage daughters. <laughs> and by the way, for our listening audience, Maribel has her phone on because she's checking in, make sure the kids are all right. Um, I don't take any offense to it. I do the same thing. My, <laughs> mine is on buzz in my in my uh, pocket. All right. Yeah, I think that that's an easy one. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, that's, a, you know, it's going to be attached to us. So third one, I, I find this one to be a good indication of the type of people I'm speaking with. How many unread emails are in your inbox right now? I'm so ashamed <laughs> to say. 
I probably have, um, I think I checked yesterday, it might be a little bit more today, but I'm probably like at 150. <laughs> so Maribel, thank you. You have now succeeded in finishing the podcast. You were great. I really appreciate you being a part of it. For our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. Don't forget to subscribe to go behind the scenes of future technology. This episode was edited and produced by Cassie Cope.